Welcome back, everybody, to the NL Central Whip Round Podcast. We have a late night episode coming at you. We're recording this at 1030. It might be about out a little bit later than normal, uh, but that's all right. We still got some good ball to talk about. Uh, I'm here with my co-hosts, Ben and Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing first? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, if, um, if you wouldn't have asked me how I was doing on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, I'd probably tell you not so well. But uh, today I'm doing very well. So that's good. And that's aimed at the Cubs and how they've been playing as of late. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. It's Friday evening. And, you know, I would usually say, like, I'm happy because it's Friday evening. But I have to work at 530 tomorrow. So it kind of sucks. But other than that, I'm doing well. That's rough. And I know how it is to tie up your emotions in how well your favorite team is doing. Yeah. Um, It's been down emotionally for me all year, it feels like. Uh, But for someone who it's been up for, Ben, how you doing? Yeah, no, that's a good way to bring me in. I can get used to doing these episodes after Reds wins because that's how the last couple of Ben last week we did it while the Reds were closing out a win. The tonight after another electric wedge Reds win in the City Connect jerseys, Spencer Steer with the walk-off, so... I have no complaints 15 and three in the last like 20 days. And I don't think there's a whole lot for me to complain about there. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been loving how red been leaning into the uh, whole Taylor Swift thing the last week or so on social media. I thought that's been pretty hilarious, but these reds are in first place still. Uh, they are sitting at 44 and 38, um, seven and three in the last 10. They went on that big win streak. They've lost a couple in the last week, um, but that doesn't mean they've had a bad week necessarily. It just means they've kind of come back down to earth a little bit um, and still been playing good ball, honestly. And they are right ahead of the Brewers by a game sitting at 43-39. Um, third place, we've got the Pirates, who actually are kind of back on an upswing here in the last week or so. They're sitting at 39 42 even five and five in the last 10, even though that doesn't tell the full story. Uh, these Cubs and Cardinals are sitting at the bottom after playing in London uh, last week, 38 and 42, and then 33 and 47 for the Cardinals. Um, although I will say as a Cardinal fan, we've won two series and we've lost a series in last week and that's, or two weeks. And that's not too bad. I I'm, it's hard to expect anything more from this team at this point in the season. And now I'm just kind of waiting for the trade deadline, but Hey, if we can win a couple series, that's how it goes. All right. Um, anyway, we can get right into it here, uh, with, uh, the reds who, uh, had a couple losses this week, but did pretty well. Uh, Ben, do you want to take us through kind of what the reds have done? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this first on Sunday afternoon, after the reds had lost that series to the Braves, the second, um, they lost the second and third games to lose that series, both by a score of six to seven. I was pretty upset because I felt it was a winnable series. They left the tying run at third with where they ended up with one out and couldn't do it on Sunday. So I was I was pretty upset at the time, but now sitting here five days later, the fact that the Reds lost two games by a run apiece and won a game against Atlanta. Based on what Atlanta has done the last two days, including winning 16 to four tonight. And I know this isn't a Braves podcast, but the Braves right now are just an absolute wagon. And the fact that the Reds played them for three straight games and total got outscored by one run, I think shows that like, I don't want to be that guy that's in the moral victories. And like I said, I said to my dad, like after they lost the series, I was pissed. I was, I was telling him about how upset I was, but it's like, Looking back on that now, the Reds losing two out of three, each of those by a run, is really nothing to hang your hat on, especially when you consider the Reds starting pitching right now is next to nothing with all the injury they've they've piled up and in, in uh Hunter Green and Lodole on the IL. So back to actually talking about the Reds. They lose two out of three to the Braves, but they rebound and they go into Baltimore, one of the best teams in the AL, and they took two out of three there, and then come on top of that with a win back at home against the Padres, who I know the Padres are underwhelming this season, but if you look back, the Padres have owned the Reds for about the past three seasons. Um, I want to say coming into tonight, the Padres have taken 16 of 18 against the Reds. And I know that sounds wild, but like last year when the Reds sucked, the Padres beat them every time. And the year prior, the Padres took six out of seven. So the Padres have really had this Reds team's number. So to, for the Reds to have the show out of Matt McClain and Spencer Sear hitting two-run key home runs tonight, I think just capped off another good week. If you would have told me you're going to go through seven games against the Braves, Orioles, and one against the Padres, you know, come out of that four and three, I'd be like, sign me up. I probably would have accepted three and four, two and five. But 
for them to go above 500 and now they're going to roll into a, a finish off of this series and then close out the before the All-Star break with Washington Milwaukee, I think winnable series. Um I'm feeling good right now. The pitching Graham Ashcraft today against San Diego goes six and two thirds in one run. If he is anywhere near that, the Reds are going to have a chance because Ashcraft was a guy that was expected to take a step forward. And I think with the Reds offense, Ashcraft can give you six innings, three or four runs and you're right there in the game. What you can't happen is what he's been doing, which is like five innings, 10 runs. So if Ashcraft doesn't have to be as great as he was today, but if he can be somewhere near average, that's just going to continue to help you out because they haven't gotten that from really any of their starters outside of Andrew Abbott, who out of the current healthy ones. So I'm excited to see what continues to happen from the pitching front. We've talked about the offense pretty much every every single week since the rookies have got here, so I don't have to hit on it again. Um, one thing I'll continue to look forward to is how Votto continues to adjust. He's been back now for about 10 days, and he's kind of taken a decline over the last week, but um, hopefully he continues to settle in. I'm, I uh, Last thing I'll say, I'm a proponent of moving Spencer Steer to the third spot in the order and dropping India down for the time being because India is slumped now really for all of June, and Steer is arguably the Reds' best power hitter um, in a lineup that doesn't have a ton of power. So I know there's this group of of people who are, you got a good thing going, don't mess with it. I know it's, know it's probably very easy to not want to tinker with a lineup that's producing a ton of runs, but Spencer Steer is an argument for the Reds' best hitter, and I don't know if you want him hitting six in your order. So um, there's there's times where, where yeah. Steer... I would rather have Steer come up in the first inning than with two outs and nobody on in the second. So that's that's the last thing I'll say about the Reds. But all all good in Reds country on the on the most part. I cannot complain whatsoever about being at the start of July. The Reds will be in first place, and never in my wildest dreams would I have expected that would happen. Yeah, let me uh, just uh, kind of talk about the game that happened tonight because I think this game and I think it really just kind of defines the whole entire season. Majority of the game two to two in the top of the tenth. Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto both scoring for the Padres. Both uh, get RBIs for the Padres. It's 4-2. You would think that this game's over because Matt McClain comes up with literally two strikes and he two outs and he hits a game-time two-run homer. But it gets better. Gary Sanchez singles in the 11th and everyone thinks, oh, Sanchez is going to be the hero here in Cincinnati. No, no, that doesn't happen. Ellie De La Cruz doubles, ties the game back at five. But then one of the worst calls, I would say, in a long time that I saw – Ellie Cruz, which Ben actually mentioned to me, which I thought was kind of funny. Ellie Cruz was on third, five to five game, one out, and all the infields playing in, and there's a ground ball hit to the third baseman or shortstop, and Ellie Cruz beats out the throw still, even though the infielders are in. I mean, this team has speed, but here's the thing that I just that gets me. Ellie Cruz was out because of a bad call. They said that Gary Sanchez was not blocking the plate when he clearly was. You can go back and watch the replay, and you can be the judge on that. But Here's Spencer Steele on deck. And what's he thinking? He's probably thinking this game's either over or I'm going to have ice in my veins. And that man hits a walk-off homer. I mean, there's just there's nothing more to say about the Reds except they're special this year. I mean, they're so special. I mean, right when you think they're down, they're not. When you think they're down and out, they come back and they surprise you and they, they come back in m- miraculous ways. And one of the best things I, of tonight was Ellie De La Cruz dumping the water on Spencer Steele because he knew that – he he thought he won the game, and he knew that Spencer Steele had his back. So, for me, I mean, this team is just special. They're young, and all their young players are doing all the right things at the right time. I mean, you would never expect it in a million years. You call up these young guys, and they're just hitting the ball very well. I mean, Ben talked about Spencer Steele being the third batter in their lineup, and he's so, so young. And, I mean, you got Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, it's just a young team, and to kind of backpack off what Ben said, the only thing I have a problem with with them is they're starting – starting rotation because come close to close to the end of the season and say the Reds are in playoff contention if they have to play in a wild card game or not even a wild card game say they win the division they have to go and play in the playoffs they may have to start a pitcher that has upwards of a six something ERA because that's how bad the rotation is yeah and I mean uh we're approaching the all-star break and then the trade deadline right after that it may it may not stay like that they may go out and um, get someone at this rate they may try to add. Uh, but yeah, I just want to mirror what you guys said. It's been a fun brand of baseball that's been happening and fun brands of baseball. Um, just they build on themselves and the clubhouse starts to feed into it. And then Joey Votto comes back as we talked about last week and it just all kind of goes from there. I, I, 
I don't really know what to say. This team has lost two series in the month of June. Um, and by the way, those two series were against Milwaukee and Atlanta, two very, very good ball clubs. Um, and I, I, I just don't know what else to say about this team. We've said pretty much that all, all that can be said about this team, um, except Ben does have one more thing here on these reds. Yeah, Ryan brought up a good point about the potential. We're still a long way away. It's June 30th when we're recording this. And for all we know, the Reds pitching could just totally fall off and the offense can't continue to carry the load. And the Reds missed the playoffs by seven games. But it is an interesting point you bring up in a potential playoff series opening round wild card where who's going to take the mound because I, I think they will have the advantage of if they can survive July, you're going to get Hunter Green and Lodolo back sometime in August. And because they both missed extended periods of injury, you're not going to have to worry about them really facing fatigue come September, I don't think, because Lodolo will have basically missed May, June, and July. So he's going to come back, and you're not going to have to worry about him as long as he's healthy. And same with Hunter Green. He will have missed about a month and a half at that point as well. The thing that's going to be tough is I – would have to believe by the time it gets late in the season, Andrew Abbott is probably going to hit his innings limit, which you're already seeing this problem kind of hit with Erie Perez over Miami. Abbott's going to have the same issue where the Reds may have to shut him down late August, early September, as much as it sucks. Cause here on June 30th, Andrew Abbott is the only dependable starter on the Reds rotation. Um, they, if they can survive July, the injuries to Hunter Green and Adola may actually be a slight blessing because those are still second year pitchers that haven't had as big as a workload. So that injury time off is going to make potentially, and I don't want to, you never want to have guys get hurt, but if you follow what I'm saying here is that time away could actually help them late in the season. Whereas Andrew Abbott is going to hopefully shoulder the load for this next month and be your ace because he has been all year throughout the minors and big leagues. But then probably late in the year, I don't know if you can even count on having Abbott for a potential playoff push. Yeah. And uh you said you said survive July and that made me curious about the red schedule for the next month. I don't know if you've looked at it Ben, but um I I don't know if there is a surviving July. I think it's the most make or break month that they've had so far and that's because the Reds play the Brewers uh eight times uh nine times in the month of July, which it, it's at this point Anything can happen. But at this point, it's Reds and Brewers pretty much at top. Pirates are kind of on their way down. Cardinals, Cubs, obviously not doing very well at all. So it's really Reds, Brewers. And Mm -hmm. if you play your division rival that you're in a heat with nine times in a month, that means that, well, first of all, you're not playing them very often for the rest of the season. Actually, I don't think you guys play them again for the rest of the season. That may be it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the chance to make or break the division. I don't want to say that because we still have two more months after this, but do you know what I mean? How it's like nine games. I completely agree. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because the Brewers have kind of, like I talk about the Padres, the Brewers are another team that's kind of had the Reds number over the past couple of seasons. So nine times scares me because you're, you're totally right. Like this month in these Brewers games could legitimately be the difference between winning a weaker division and having to fight for a tougher wildcard spot. So is and this may be a loser mentality. Like, I don't know if you, 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 cause you want to shoot for a higher ceiling, but if like, if you could guarantee to me right now that they go five and four in those nine games, like, and I could lock that in right yeah. now, I think I'd take that every day of the week rather than try and go for something better. Absolutely. And I just have one more thing to say. I know we've been on the reds yeah. for a while, but I'll kind of tie this into the brewers um, here when we talk about them here in a second. But um You've got the Brewers right before the All-Star break, Brewers right after the All-Star break. And then later in the month, you have a sandwich of a first-place Diamondbacks team that is red-hot, a lot like the Reds, young and and very vibrant. Um, And then you play the Brewers again, and then you go out to L.A., and that's a very tough three-series stretch right there. We're talking about these nine games against the Brewers, but that nine-game stretch where it goes Diamondbacks, Brewers, Dodgers, that is an extremely tough stretch, and I think we'll come out of July with either a newfound respect for the Reds, that they're not just this fun team, but they're a real ball club, or we'll come out of this month being like, well, what can they do now that it's that it's, uh, that it's it's August, and, and how yep. can we either turn this around or keep it going? They're totally fair. Um, totally yeah. fair. Uh, but anyway, I, I said I would tie it into the Brewers. 
um, who have been playing well, uh, as well as the Reds here. They have won um, two series in a row here uh, this last week. They took uh, three out of four versus a very struggling Mets team, and then two out of three versus the Reds. Um, this is a very nice week um, from this ball club that I feel like has been unsung heroes, or not heroes, but unsung in a lot of ways, even on this podcast and we only have five teams to cover, but we, we haven't really given them a whole lot of love. Uh, I mean, the team is only four games over 500. They're second place. It's it's not like a super glorious season, but they've just been kind of flying under the radar, and they're the t- kind of team that I could see making a pounce big time, not only in a division, but in the National League, that if, if they have a great month of July, all of a sudden you're looking at the Brewers being the two seed in the playoffs instead of the three, which actually matters a whole lot um now with these buys and these different matchups that happen um so i i know it feels like we say this every single month but the month of july really is big because you have that extended break in the all-star break and you have the pressure of the uh of the trade that like coming up and then like i said before reds and brewers basically fight for the division all month um it's super big and uh i was listening to um, uh, another podcast, the uh, Wake and Jake podcast from John Boy, and he had Corbin Burns on this morning, and Corbin Burns was talking about um, Joey Weimer, a rookie that really hasn't been a world beater. I mean, he's gotten 86 plus plus. Uh, he does have 11 home runs, but he's hitting 210. Like, he's not he's not exactly a major contributor to, to a potential division-winning team. But Corbin Burns says uh, Weimer's kind of the guy that just kind of like stands up and says some stupid shit and gets everyone feeling good. And they're all just, um, I'm quoting Corbin here. He's just like, he just stands up on the bus and says stupid shit. We love him so much for it. He just is that guy that we all kind of look to. And I think a team that wins the division has to have a guy like that who it, it may not be the best on the field. It may be good on the field, but in the clubhouse, he knows how to keep it light even after a loss, um, and he knows how to keep it keep the boys having fun after a win. And you can't get through 162 games without a guy like that. And we've seen good teams that don't have a guy like that really be bad. I would say the Mets are a team like that right now. Cardinals, I didn't expect to, but they might be like that. Anyway, we'll get to my Cardinals later. Do you guys have anything to add on the Brewers? Yeah, I would uh, just wanted to point out that uh, Freddie Peralta had eight Ks tonight, and he threw five and a third innings. So I think that's something that's definitely good for Milwaukee. I know that they've been having a lot of problems. I know Corbin Burns. You know, I don't know how he feels. Obviously, it's a good podcast, I guess, that you brought up there. But you still have those problems, you know, with the starters in Milwaukee, and you know the division still can be anyone's. And I think it's just a good sign to see Peralta go out there throw eight Ks. Uh, I think Corbin Burns may be going tomorrow. If not, then he's definitely going Sunday. Um, but, yeah, he's going tomorrow against Oviedo. So this is a series against Pittsburgh, though, that Milwaukee can really should be able to take. And I know I say that with them <laughs> losing on a walk-off this evening. But um, they should be able to get back there and win two, two baseball games. And I was going to say this Pittsburgh team is really not that good, but they are kind of firing on, firing on all cylinders as of late on a uh, four-game winning streak. So Milwaukee, though, you know, they're, they're doing very well. They're coming off of uh, – a four-game series against the New York Mets, I believe, and they took three out of four there against a really lackluster Mets team there in Queens. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, the bats are going. I mean, really, Adamus is still doing well, and Christian Yelich has even been doing well as well. So if they're getting Christian Yelich back, maybe that's going to help them out. I know he's been 272. Uh, Bryce Turing had a big two-run double tonight, and Turing's a guy that has kind of been down this year a little bit in the AAA. They called him back up for some help, and he's definitely been helping out. Uh, but like I said, really Adamus doing well. And, you know, if you can if you can get a Christian Yelich back that's just going to be able to give you some production at the plate, that's definitely going to help out Milwaukee. With them only being one game, I think, one or one and a half games back from Cincinnati. Uh, like you said already in July, pun very much attended here. There's a lot of fireworks that happen in July, and it's just a, a big month for baseball. So it's definitely going to be exciting to see what uh, Milwaukee can do. 
Uh, Owen Miller has been a very, very under-the-rug player for me. I've enjoyed watching him play a lot lately. Had a big RBI double in the game tonight, and he's batting really he's batting pretty well for Milwaukee as well. And Owen Miller's finally getting his chance to play. You know, he's kind of bounced around in the MLB, but he's finally getting a chance to play. He's got a solid position with Milwaukee. And I think there's no reason why they shouldn't go back out and win two games on Saturday and a Sunday, take them from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Milwaukee's a good team. There's a reason that even these years where they haven't made the playoffs like last year, that they're always there, and that's just because they know how to win at this point. I've said probably at least half the podcast we've done so far this season that I I think Craig Council is, is a very good manager, and they took care of business this week, going on the road against a desperate Mets team, which I know the Mets are really reeling right now, so maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but sometimes a desperate team can be a dangerous team and they'll catch you off guard, but the Brewers didn't allow that to happen, especially with um, this would have been last night where Devin Williams got out of a really big jam uh, to close down a save, basically just saying, I'm going to throw you my change up three straight times, you're going to swing and miss all three times, and starring Marte took his, took himself back to the dugout, and that was that, so... Um, it's it's a team where Milwaukee with it they as a Reds fan they scare me because you you can you find yourself down to them two to nothing but it feels like eight to nothing and I know this is with Corbin Burns having underwhelmed a little bit this season they've dealt with injuries I don't think Freddie Peralta has been all that special but it's still the same Brewers team that's going to pride themselves on a back end of the bullpen that's pretty strong whether it's Jake Cousins Matt Bush I think was the one in tonight, although he blew it, but he's still a guy that's that's up that that ladder of guys that's getting trust late in the game. Um, but yeah, for Milwaukee, like I absolutely expect them to be within a couple games of the top of the division or a wild card if someone um takes off in the NL Century, hopefully the Reds. But it, Milwaukee is not going to go anywhere. If anything, they see if they can add a cheap bat at the deadline. But um, they took care of business this week, and I think that's that cannot be undervalued because it is it is so easy. Um, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, but like a couple weeks ago, I, the Athletics took a couple games against the Rays, stuff like that, and the Brewers aren't the Rays, but like it's the 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 Mets are paying for good players, and the Brewers had to go beat Max Serger and a couple other names, and they did. They took care of business, so um, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't really have much else to say about the Brewers. Uh, uh, we can kind of move on to the Pirates here. Um, a team that very, very notably uh, kind of was a flash in the pan uh, for the first month or so of the season and then had a pretty historic fall from grace. But now, uh, Ryan, they're on a four-game winning streak. Do you want to talk a little bit about them Pirates? Yeah, man, they're making us eat our words from last episode, talking about how they were going down a streak here that uh, Pirates fans probably didn't want to see them go down. But then they go back and they they sweep San Diego. They had uh, Nick Gonzalez. He had his first MLB home run in the first series against San Diego. I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the San Diego series. Uh, I think Pittsburgh Pirates fans would uh, like it more if I just talked about Padres series and uh, obviously the game again against tonight. Like Ben said, they did win tonight. Carlos Santana walked it off. Uh, He had a couple of homers in that San Diego series as well. So Santana's starting to hit the ball pretty well for Pittsburgh. Um, But yeah, tonight he had a walk-off homer. He might have done one of the most outrageous celebrations I've ever seen (laughs) rounding home. But hey, when you hit the ball into the Allegheny for a walk-off, I mean, I guess you do what you want to do. Um, And uh, I do want to mention, though, like Ben said, that was not Devin Williams who gave it up. It was Matt Bush. So he was right on that. Devin Williams had to get out of that jam in New York. So uh, probably the reason there why Council did not go to Williams in that situation. David Bednar, though, he's still been able to get it locked down for Pittsburgh. Didn't have to use him that much in that San Diego series as the – the Pittsburgh Pirates absolutely clobbered the San Diego Padres. I mean, in game one, nine to four, game two, seven to one. And then game three, it was five to four. Uh, Bedno had to get into that one. But I mean, this is a, a team that uh, is, is starting to find their groove here a little bit. McCutcheon's starting to do his little thing. And one of the things I'm, I'm loving more than anything is this, uh, this Henry Davis kid. He is special, man, for Pittsburgh. I mean, he, he lifts the Pirates to the sweep. I mean, his, it was his first, uh, he, Collected his first career hit in his major league debut, and um, although he said it was cool, he emphasized that the Pirates did not win that game, and he was very upset. Seven several days later, Davis homered for the first time, and he carried the same tone as he he homered again against San Diego in a game that they were able to come up in. That was a sweeping game, so they were able to sweep San Diego. But David Bednar, though, I mean, he's got 16 saves, one four four ERA. It's just insane. 
And I mean, I would, I call me, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think everyone would agree with me when they, when I say that he deserves a spot on the National League All Star team. I mean, David Bednar has been amazing for Pittsburgh, and if you got a closer like that, I mean, you're definitely going to be in the running all season. The only thing that would kind of worry me, I don't think they would do this though, but is if the Pirates would go the sell route, which, like I've said multiple times in this division, no one should be selling because it's so winnable. But if the Pirates were to go the sell route and sell him, that would be really unfortunate. Like I said, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't really see any team here selling because of the division has just been so bad but uh, like like I said I mean Nick Gonzalez first homer uh in the Padres series um and then you have the uh the, the other guy who's just been amazing for them as well so uh, Hunter Davis and I think the young guys kind of like a little it's kind of like a story of the Reds not necessarily story of the Reds but they're, they're calling out the young guys at the right time and I, I think that's kind of a lot of what the NL Central is here obviously besides the Cardinals I'll get to the Cubs here in a second but a lot of teams are calling up young guys and these young guys are really producing so I mean you got Henry Davis Nick Gonzalez uh, and then obviously with the Reds you have um, De La Cruz and then you have Steele and you have McLean and I mean, it's just working out, you know, and then I, obviously M- Milwaukee has Bryce Turang. He's doing his thing as well. So, I mean, I, I think just calling up these young people and the thing about Pittsburgh is if it's close and they're winning, they have a good chance of winning because David Bednar, like I said, he's been shut down lately this this whole entire season. He's been very good. And uh, Pittsburgh, like I said, they're, if they're starting to find their hits, I mean, Carlos Santana starting to hit the ball well. And, I mean, they definitely have something special there. The young guys are working, and Carlos Santana's getting the bat going. I think Pittsburgh could definitely be uh, on the road to some decent here, decent little push for them, though, going into the Arsenal game. They have to face the Dodgers four times and then the Diamondbacks right after, so they definitely have a hard outbringing going into the All-Star break. Um, but other than that, like I said, it's a young team, and the young, te- young guys are producing well. And, like I said, they're never down and out with David Bednar in that bullpen. Uh yeah for sure um the the pirates I I love I love Henry Davis as well um it's worth noting one of my one of my good friends is a uh, diehard Louisville baseball fan and I know he would kill me for not bringing this up but Louisville is kind of catcher university all of a sudden uh they got Will Smith and um Henry Davis and also top prospect Dalton Rushing who was just uh drafted or I guess is about to be drafted in my is he in the Dodgers yet? Either way, um, Dalton rushing Will Smith, Henry Davis in the last five years, six years is an absolutely crazy production at the catcher position for Louisville. Um, big shout out there. Um, but yeah, we can go uh, up to the north side, of Sh- north side of Chicago. Uh, Ryan, you want to take us to a little bit of cubby action? Yeah, just let me first off, I want to talk about how I was talking about those young people. And, you know, one thing that just, it, it sparks my mind, right when Ellie De La Cruz got called up, the, uh, the the Cubs were not playing that well. And I was like, man, I wish they would just call up someone that could add a spark like that to this team. Insert Jared Young. This man was mashing the ball in AAA. And in his first at bat, he hits a home run. And I can't say it's his first MLB at bat because he was called up a little bit last year for the Cubs, but it was his first Cub home run and his first at bat in 2023. And uh, I saw a fun stat, which it, it took me way back, but he is the first Cub since 1909 to have two triples, a homer, and six RBIs in three games played. So Jared Young, he's been special. And I know with the Cubs, I mean, they've just kind of been battling first base just kind of woes this whole entire year i mean they started off the season with mancini and hosmer hosmer dfa mancini does not know how to feel the ball apparently so he doesn't play there anymore then bellinger was there for a little bit and i think he still is there but now with the emergence of jared young i'm gonna book it right now and say jared young is that start is that team's starting first baseman i mean he is just he's came onto the scenes and he's showed what he can do and it's just been it's so awesome to see another also, another magical moment this tonight at Wrigley Field. I guess I should say this afternoon. It was an afternoon game. Nick Magical got his uh, first ever Cubs home run, so that was pretty cool. Christopher Morel, he had another homer today, tying with Patrick Wisdom, who is still on the injured list uh, for the most home runs on the club. He has 14 apiece with Wisdom there. And then Dansby Swanson has nine with uh, Bellinger and a bunch of other guys tied with seven right there. But... Um, just another great outing from uh, Justin Steele today. One of the things I wanted to mention is, and you guys can uh, let me know what you think about this, but I think the Cubs have the best one through four 
uh, pitching rotation in the National League. I mean, you got ju- you got Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, Kyle Hendricks, and Drew Smiley, and I think that's going to be really tough to beat. And if Jamison Tyone could ever figure it out, I mean, one through five would be deadly. However, Justin Steele, six innings pitched today, three hits, six strikeouts, in one base on ball. I mean, he was just awesome to see. And then Michael Fulmer, Anthony Kay were just lights out in the bullpen. And then Michael Rucker, uh, he also did well. The bullpen did really well this week. Um, unfortunately, the Cubs did get swept by a Phillies team, which is uh, unfortunate to see. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, Drew Smiley didn't have his best stuff, and he gave up a decent amount of runs. And Kyle Schwarber just seemed to see the ball like anyone's business. Like, it was a uh, – a beach ball and you know it was just kind of one of those series for Philly as they were just hitting the ball all over the place um but I was good to see the Cubs get off that four game losing skid and put up a massive 10 runs today against the Guardians and honestly it came against a decent pitcher Kyle Contrell has uh, is pretty decent pitcher and the Cubs were able to knock him around which I thought was really cool to see um but yeah just just going back to that series Philly's Five to one in game one. The Cubs just that offense was non-existent that game. And then the Phillies and Cubs in game two, it was eight to five. The Phillies kind of just played a lot better than the Cubs that game. The Cubs did put up five, and you're thinking with five runs, you, you could that's good enough to win a ball game, but unfortunately it wasn't. Kyle Hendricks pitched really well that game as well. Um, and then in the three one three one loss, it was more of the same for the Phillies and kind of just the Cubs bats going quiet, but the one thing I will say that is I'm a little worried some is that they do play tomorrow at 6:15 and they just scored 10 runs and with the Cubs this year once they do a downpour of runs the next game they only score one or two. I know Marcus Stroman's on the bump which is awesome. I'm so glad he's going to be able to pitch because I know he had to come out of that London game with a, a, a something on his hand uh like I don't know what they call it but something on the finger but he'll be able to pitch which is good. The only thing is Sometimes the team doesn't give him run support, and we know how good he's been for the Cubs, uh, and hopefully they can just give him run support. I'm a little worried because they did put up 10 this this afternoon, but if they're putting up 10, I think it's a good sign, and I'm hoping the bats just keep going. Bullpen, like I said, has been great. Starting rotation's been great. I'm excited to see what Strowman can do tomorrow, coming off of a little injury problem there, and uh, just more of the same from Jared Young, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, Cubs – it's it felt like they were gonna break through there and get to five hundred. That they were had a chance to get to exact five hundred in that finale and then uh kind of fell back ever since. That's the problem with the Cubs, is I think their lineup is too inconsistent to continue to have these long streaks where they can carry carry a ball pl- ball club like some of the better teams in the league. Like you can see a team like the Braves or even I don't want to get too overweight, but for the Reds for the month of June when these teams that have powerful offenses can get you through a week where the starting pitching isn't all that good or when it's really bad for a matter of fact. And I just think the Cubs offense isn't consistent enough to do that. Um, when you have like a Drew Smiley game where he gives up a bunch of runs um, or, or stuff like that. So I think that's, that's the issue with the Cubs. But like you said, when, when things are clicking, that's not a team you want to see in a three game series, especially if you have to face Stroman, Steele and Hendricks, um, because those are, those are, that's certainly a one, two, three punch. I, I think Smiley's okay. I think he's he, he's really good for a four starter. I don't think there's a lot of four starters that you would pick over Drew Smiley, but um, it'll be interesting to see what the Cubs do. I think it's less of a chance that they sell. Although I would, sh- if you're not right there, and I know here's here's the thing: the Cubs can be five or so games out of first place, but five games or so out in fourth place is a difference of being five games out in second place. If that makes sense, because you may be five games out, but you've got to play five games better than the Pirates, the Reds, and the Brewers rather than in second place. So that's kind of where you may not want to move Strowman, but if they're not right there, I think you have to consider moving Bellinger because that's that's a guy that you brought in hoping he could rebuild some value. You could potentially get something from him from a contender who wants a left-handed bat. So it's, it's going to be – we said it with the other teams, but especially for the Cubs because – I don't see either one of the Brewers or Reds selling no matter what happens. I mean, it's not like the Reds with all these young guys or have anyone to sell, and I don't think the Brewers have sellers anyway. But the Cubs legitimately, if they have a bad month, you can see them ship off a Bellinger or a Jan Gomes or something like that. So it, it'll be an interesting stretch of games, and the pitching is likely going to keep them in it, but you are most likely also going to have some games like last night where Hendricks didn't pitch bad. He had really two bad innings. 
Not even not he had one bad inning and one bad batter to Schwarber. And outside of that, he still was three one because the offense didn't show up. So um I I get the excitement for for Jared Young at first base. <laughs> Say we maybe give it more than a couple games before we lock him in as the first baseman, but I can see why you're excited when you have the series and if series plus that he's had so far. Yeah. Uh I don't really have a whole lot to say on the Cubbies. I'll try to keep us moving here. We can um go to the birds under the arch. Um this team, I <laughs> I'm definitely exasperated with this team, but uh they did show a little bit of resilience. Um the this last week or so um i i am kind of impressed although did lose the houston series won a very promising first game in that series and then um lose uh, a really really heartbreaking 10 to 7 in the second game and i i just got blown out in the third but honestly i was i was expecting that because you know you don't go up big <laughs> three runs against the Astros can be kind of big. Um, you don't go up big on the Astros and then uh, blow it in the fashion that the Cardinals did with Gallegos giving up five runs in the eighth, I believe. Um, and then come back and win the game. That's just not something hardly any team can do. Um, especially a team that, that is really short on heart this year. Um, I, I think it's time to, to look at what, what pitching we have in in the organization as a whole Cardinals always have arms, but are those arms like a Zach Thompson who was taken four years ago in the first round? Um, he's been a decent relief arm. Is he ever going to turn into a middle of the rotation uh, piece that you can add and rely on for the next five, six, seven years? No, I don't, I don't think so. He's been, he's been very good. Um, in the bullpen, I I do like the way he throws, but I'm I'm looking at the at the pitchers that the Cardinals have in the organization right now. The only starters that we have under contract uh, next year, um, that is Miles Michaelis, who has been horrible in making twenty million dollars starting next year, and Stephen Matz, who has been so bad he's been moved to the long relief uh, side. And what, what kind of pitchers do you have coming up behind him? I'm a giant Gordon Graceffo fan, um, but he, he's not going to be, he's not going to be your one, two or three in rotation next year. Uh, Zach Thompson could be a piece later. Um, like I mentioned, um, other than that, like I, I'm looking at these first round guys that we've taken the last couple years, like a Cooper Jerpy, Cooper Jerpy, great name by the way. And like a Michael McGreevy, fine pitchers but are these the guys with the upside to to make the cardinals a contender again i don't think so and and the fact that there are only two major league starting pitchers under contract next year really brings into question kind of the whole organization right now um and i i'm i know that's kind of existential for a team um but i think we're at that point in the season for the cardinals where it's like this offense we know can be good the pitching had the potential to be good or average at least it's just not at this point and you got to look forward into the future and i genuinely don't know what that future looks like for the cardinals rotation that's been historically good hey you bring up a good point where you started the whole thing off with the Cardinals and the arms because it feels like for as long as I've watching baseball, they just have arms. And there's when when one moves on or one fades off, like Carlos Martinez for all those years, he he eventually at the end of his line and then someone else appears and is their next next starter. So it's definitely a new period of time. And I'll talk about the biggest the biggest underwhelming player this year is did anyone really see Adam Adam Wainwright taking this big of a step back without Yadier Molina? And it's probably not all attributed to Yadier Molina, but it like it doesn't even look like the same guy. He's not striking anyone out. So I think that's yeah. been a really big deal, and I'm sure you can hit on that, Adam. Absolutely. He uh he's been getting so much. I, first of all, Adam Wainwright, one of my favorite human beings that I've ever seen play baseball. He's such a such a nice guy. I think even Ryan, the Cubs fan, can kind of admit that. Adam Wainwright, he he does so much for the community. He just loves baseball. He loves St. Louis. He loves America. Um, he's just kind of he's just kind of the dad of the Cardinals has been for a while. Um, but he got so many trolls on Twitter. He had to delete his Twitter account, which he used to use a whole lot to interact with the community. That's a sad thing. But I I was at the game. We lost fourteen nothing yesterday, 
and it was it, it was horrible. He went I off the top of my head, I think it was one point two innings and he allowed six earned runs. Um and I agree. As someone who's been watching Adam Wainwright pitch in person and on, and on TV my entire life, I, I I genuinely think that this might be the last time that I see Adam Wainwright pitch a meaningful game in person. So that was kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I, I that's just all I have to say about Adam Wainwright right now. Um, an inning in uh, two thirds, six hits, six earned runs. So you have, you have a spot on. on. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, I just want to give a shout out here. It's kind of a a funny thing. I know it's you're not really much in a funny mood right now, but do you know who John Denton is? He absolutely owned Ali Marble in the post game, and this is I'll kind of give you like a little play by play. So they he asked Ali, did he try? What did he think about taking Giovanni Gallegos out after he gave up a home run? And Ali's response, because he's such a great manager, he said. Well, if you would have told me the second homer, you if you would have told me he would have homered the second time, I would have took him out. And John Denton goes, "Well, it's it's happened three times already this year," and I died laughing. I'm like, "Someone's got to put that man on the spot." I mean, I don't know how you can be a manager and keep. And after that, he said, "Oh yeah, Giovanni's my eighth my eighth inning guy." It's like, how can you say that after he's given up so many games, game after game after game? I mean, it's just getting to a point where it, it's quite annoying. But I will say one last thing about the Cardinals, and that kind of just my whole entire little knock knock at the episode, I guess, or my little topic, I guess, if you want to call it, is young people. And why not at this point? I mean, why not call up Mason Wynn? I mean, I, that's not going to do much for them, but, I mean, you see when it did, the Cubs called up Jared Young, and he's hitting the ball well. You got the Reds young guys, the Pirates young guys, Bryce Turing. I mean, they're just doing great. I mean, you never know what young guy – you never know what a new person can do to a ball club. And the Adam Wainwright thing, yes, I can say that he is a very great human being, and he does so much for St. Louis. It's awesome to see. And I, I think that his next start, he's gonna, he's gonna be lights out. I think that he's, 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 he's definitely destined for a good outing here sooner than later. And I think it's definitely gonna come. I hope it's not against the Cubs, but it's, it's gonna come, and uh, he, he deserves it. And like you said, that Twitter thing, man, that's. That's not cool, man. I mean, th- this is just a shout out to anyone out there. Don't don't mess with major league people. They're just people too. And I mean, if if you got to think about it, what if what if the guy that made Adam Wainwright or the people that made him deactivate it, what if they were Adam Wainwright and they were in Adam Wainwright's shoes? Like you don't want like you wouldn't want someone making fun of you and saying that hey, you didn't pitch good and like you suck and like you should just quit baseball. Like it's just not a good look, but. That's my two cents. Um, I, I'm still going to say it because I've been saying it all year. I think they're going to have some miracle second half because they always do. And everyone makes fun of me for saying it, but I've I've seen it my whole life. They just they, they do it. It's and it, it's going to happen. And people are going to be like, oh, wow, Ryan, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, I told you it's, it's going to happen. They just they there's something about the second half in Colonial baseball. There really is. There's something about those hot Augusts that feel like you're breathing in straight swamp air in St. Louis that just makes the ball fly for some reason. Uh, one last thing on Wainwright, um, just career mile, career mile marker. He's at 198 wins on his career. Um, he, he's he's going to win two more games and retire. Uh, if that takes him the whole season, I think he's going to do it. <laughs> um, I, I think the Cardinals might start using him in situations where he's being used less but can still get a win out of a situation like out of the bullpen but however that comes he's not going out without 200 wins i can guarantee you that um even if that is winning two more games and then retiring the next day i can see that happening um but on a more hopeful note uh we can go back to um our player of the week uh ben i'll let you talk a little bit about him i know we've already talked about him a little bit but it is a red again um and uh, it's Ellie De La Cruz with the cycle. Yeah, I mean Ellie, we've kind of we've kind of came to the conclusion throughout the podcast that if a player in the NL Central wins the National League Player of the Week award, I mean they're we're going to give it to him as well. I think it'd be bad not to, and that's saying after Ellie has struggled a little bit in the Baltimore series, but we can't not give it to Ellie because, like you said, the cycle that happened broke the longest cycleless streak in baseball. And when you're Ellie De La Cruz and have a week where you hit 440 with an on-base at 462 and slug 880, uh, that's certainly deserving uh, of National League Player of the Week. So um, it's just the first of hopefully many accolades. I, I hope that there's there's many more to come and, and many 
many better accolades to come. That includes getting a ring on his finger. But yeah, Ellie certainly deserves it. We were sitting here last Friday talking to him right after that cycle, and he played a big part of the win tonight with the with the game tying double. So continues to make things happen. He wreaks havoc on the base base pass, and getting that win from the national recognition means we were going to give it to him too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, with the cycle, and then obviously. We're not a, a full baseball podcast, but um, the perfect game um, this last week. And I I got curious this week um, and I started Googling how many times a cycle and a perfect game have been this close to each other. I think it's a week, exactly seven days. Um, apparently, I found an article. Apparently, cycles and perfect games follow each other around baseball all the time. Um. In 1998, there was a cycle and um, a perfect game within the same week. Um, there have also been like four instances in 1922, um, another one in the 90s, in 88, in 64, um, where perfect games and cycles have happened within the same week. So I just I, I just found that interesting that that these super rare historical baseball moment uh, individual performances kind of tend to happen super close to each other i don't i i bet there's nothing like backing that up but it's just kind of strange that it's happened enough times that this is actually kind of a thing um but anyway uh we can keep it moving uh again we already talked about this a little bit but uh carlos santana hit a walk off tonight um it, it was a it was a big fly as ryan said earlier he hit the ball into the allegheny um ryan you want to talk a little bit about that santana walk off yeah, Slamtana, you know, he was three for five tonight, and that included a walk-off homer. And, I mean, he he knew he got all of it. It uh, brought me back to shades of Kyle Schwarber in 2015, hitting one day Allegheny. And, and Santana, he knew he got it, man. And that's – it's just such a great thing to see for him and just the ball club uh, as a whole. I mean, you're coming off a sweep of the Padres and your first game against uh, a really good division – opponent and you win with a walk-off fashion uh like i said it was not devin williams who threw that pitch it was matt bush but still gotta feel good for slam tana and I, I just wanted to mention another quick thing about him uh in his last two games he was two for four both times and that included uh two rbis and one homer and i think he's just he's finding a stride and i mean look at that three for five for santana that usually doesn't happen that much and he hit a walk-off bomb so We'll see if there's just something uh, started here with the Slam Tana man. But like I said, really, really cool. If you haven't got that chance, I recommend going back and watching it strictly for his celebration because I'll tell you right now, I've never seen a celebration like that in my life. And I thought it was really, really cool uh, how he did it. He was just like a kid that was in a candy store, and it was so cool. All right. Uh, ben, do you have anything to say about Santana or should we just move on? I mean, I'm happy he did it. I, I know that you, <laughs> there's no need to do scoreboard watching on June 30th, but it keeps the Reds in first place for the night. And who knows if, if the if the Reds end up clinching the NL Central on the last day of the season by game. Maybe I'll look back and say, yep, thank you, Carlos Santana. So I was happy when it happened. That's, that's, that's my biggest takeaway from there. But yeah, good for Santana because he is a guy that if the Pirates do truly fall out of it is – I would assume almost certain to get moved because I don't think there's any reason for the Pirates to keep him long-term. But to have him do that with McCutcheon coming around third and going crazy, they're wearing their new city connects. It's a cool moment for, I believe, a relatively packed stadium, which that place hasn't always been full the last couple of years. So there, those fans retreated to a, to a good one, a comeback win, division rival, and a, a fun moment for sure. Deserving. Yeah, absolutely. Um we we love some Santana on this pod. Uh Slam Tana as Ryan calls him. Um yeah, super fun moment. Um a nice guy that's just kind of been around the league for a while. Love the guy. Um but anyway, uh we can move on to the final segment of the podcast. We can do some quick schedule watching for the next week. <clears throat> um that actually starts July, goes through the 4th of July. Everyone stay safe on the 4th of July while we uh catch some baseball. Uh, just like the Sandlot, catch some baseball under the fireworks. Um, but uh, starting in first place, the Reds take on San Diego at home as they just played the first one of today. And then four versus uh, the Nationals at uh, the Nationals. So that'll be that'll be a fun series. Um, see if the Reds can win all four. Um, I know it's hard to do that, especially in four games, but there's a team who could do it right now. It is the Reds. 
Um, second place Brewers uh, this next week, we have uh, at Pittsburgh versus Chicago for four. Um, what Something about these four-game series here leading up into the All-Star break. Um, the This one will also be fun. We love in-division um, weeks where they basically just play the the division all week, and we've got the Pirates and the Cubs um, facing off. And then right after, they've got the Reds, so they're just making their way through the Central this month. Um, coming up and that's fun um let's see who's next oh i am missing the pirates tab hang on i can pull that up real quick sorry about that um let's see what are they looking at in july uh they've got milwaukee obviously for the first series here and then they go to ooh, that is tough they've got at the dodgers at the diamondbacks heading into the all-star break that's something that uh, a team that's struggling i mean they did just win four games in a row, but a team that by and large has been struggling the last month and a half. That's not a very good schedule you're looking at into the break there. Um, finally, uh, not finally, uh, Cubs here. Um, we have the Cubs facing off against the Guardians and then Milwaukee and then the Yankees uh, next weekend. And that's that's a nice uh I, the Yankees are just bad. Uh, I I just want to say that. So so I want to say from the looks of these teams, that's a tough week. But honestly, Cleveland, not a great ball club. Milwaukee, we've been talking about them. They're just kind of average. They're a decent ball club, and the Yankees kind of suck. Um, but I'll keep it moving here. Cardinals, um, they face off against a bad Yankees team, and then they go to uh, Miami for four. Um, and that'll be, I mean, against the bunch of bad teams <laughs> um well i guess miami's not that bad anyway at this point i'm just rambling it's a late night episode of the podcast um we have ryan and ben here ryan you have one more thing to say yeah i wanted to just uh wanted to point out that although the cubs are facing uh you know not the best guardians team guardians always have pitching the one thing you said that you know this is not the best milwaukee team and it's really not the best yankees team but one thing you forget is that the Cubs are on the road, and the Cubs have been god-awful on the road this year. And I am currently shaking in my chair right now, knowing that we have a seven-game road streak heading into the All-Star game, and potentially an Aaron Judge comeback game, too. Because I don't know if he'll be back, but I think there's a good-ass chance he'll be back. And on top of that, we get a reunion with a very familiar guy that we know in Anthony Rizzo, and he always pops off against the Cubs. So oh, it, it's not going to be smooth sailing for them. I will say that they're going to win two because Steele and Showman are going to go. And that, that to me, that's two aces right there. They have to win at least two games, I'd hope. But it's not going to be easy for them. I, I hate when they're on the road. See if they can come back, win a, win a series against the Guardians, see what they can do against Milwaukee. That's always fun. And then Yankees, that's, uh, that's scary. That's really scary for me. But – uh, I'm excited to see what happens, man. It's uh, it's gonna be a fun last week before the All Star break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ben, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to leading up to the All Star break too, especially where when you have to sit there, your team not playing for four days, it's tough if you go in um on a skid. So that's that's something you want to take advantage of going hot, especially talked earlier. Red's gonna have three before, three after against the Brewers. So find a way to hopefully take two out of three on the front end and. Enjoy those days off. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just hope the Cardinals can be better than they have been. All righty. That's all we can ever hope for, though, right? Um, thank you guys for listening uh, to the NL Central Whip Around podcast. Uh, I know it's probably a bit uh, of a longer one. We've got a little bit more of an informal vibe today. But uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, and we will catch you guys next week for the last week before the All-Star break. And then we've got some special stuff coming up uh, throughout that All-Star break uh, week or weekend, uh, whatever it is. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. See ya.